Thanks for listening to our podcast. The following is a ministry of Orchard Bible Church in Centennial, Colorado. Please join us on Sunday mornings. For more details, visit us online at orchardbible.org. Today's scripture reading is from Psalm 67. This is the word of God. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us, that your way may be known on the earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for your beautiful and precious word that you've given to us. And we look forward to what you have for us this morning from Psalm 67. I pray earnestly, Lord, that you would use this message to stir many hearts, to be involved in your plan to redeem people from every tongue and tribe and nation. And I pray that my words would be clear this morning, it would be effective uh, and true to the scriptures. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Well, from 1962 until 2011, the country of Myanmar, which is located in Southeast Asia, suffered under one of the world's longest standing military regimes in modern history. And during this time, the people of Myanmar faced tremendous suppression and human rights violations under that dictatorship. In 2011, though, a light dawned as the hope of a new government system, a democracy, was being discussed. And then in 2015, Myanmar held its first ever democratic election. This was a huge uh, political change for them. During the development of the country's new constitution, however, the former military was allotted 25% of the seats of parliament. And some feared this would lead to potential future disruption. But the majority believed with time this would become an afterthought. Well, in November of 2020, this past year, Myanmar held its second democratic election, and the incumbent president, Aung San Suu Kyi, won in a landslide victory with about 85% of the votes, the military party being the opposing party. Unfortunately, allegations of voting fraud, abuse of power, genocide, and uh, other trumped-up charges have been Uh, a primary focus of the military against the incumbent president. And if you've been watching world news or or perhaps uh, you and I have had a conversation over the past few months, you know that on February 1st of this year, the country's military staged a coup overthrowing the rightfully elected president of Myanmar. Within hours, the military had taken over the country and appointed one of the leading Uh, military officials as the new president. Just a few weeks ago, he named himself prime minister. (laughs) Talk about voting fraud and allegations of all those things, right? (laughs) And in the span of just a few hours, the entire country of Myanmar shifted back under a dictatorship. 
And you can imagine what this has done to the people. And certainly there have been multiple challenges for democracy in the country of Myanmar, considering its history and its diversity. Myanmar has over 130 different people groups and over 130 different spoken languages. And just for the sake of clarity, uh, I've mentioned this before, but a people group is defined as a significantly large group of individuals who perceive themselves to have a common affinity for one another because of their shared language, ethnicity, religion, residence, class, or their caste, their situation, or any combinations of these things. And the largest people group in Myanmar is called the Bamar people, representing about 31 million people. They're recognized as an unreached people group. And again, just for the sake of clarity, this simply means that they don't have enough Bible-believing Christians or resources to effectively evangelize their own people without outside assistance. Now, Myanmar, uh, as many of you know, is a country that is very close to my heart, and I'm going to share a bit more about that in just a second. But as we look upon the world, it's estimated that there are roughly 17,400 people groups in the world. And of those people groups, about 7,400 of them are unreached still. Roughly 40% of the world's population, or 3.2 billion people in the world, have never even heard the name of Jesus. And most likely they won't. I've, there's a lot of statistics that I've just laid before you this morning. But all of this leads us into our passage this morning. And as you can see in the bulletin, I've titled this message, Let All the Peoples Praise Him. Please open your Bibles, if you will, to Psalm 67, and we're going to read that in just a moment. But as we read this, I want you to reflect on that title, Let All the Peoples Praise Him. In light of all of the unreached people groups of the world, let this psalm be your prayer and your song this morning. Oh Lord, let all the peoples praise you. I'm going to read Psalm 67 now. It says this, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples, for, for you judge the nations with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So if you're taking notes this morning, I have three main points that you can see in your bulletin. Point number one is we are blessed to be a blessing. Point number two, God's justice is just. And then point number three, we are blessed because he blesses us. As we go through this passage this morning, I'm going to interweave a little bit of our story, my family story in, and describe how the Lord has caused our heart to be stirred for the nations. And I'm hopeful this will stir yours as well. My prayer this morning is that many of you would want to be involved in not just local, but global missions. So just to tell you a little of who I am and about our family, some of you already know a lot of this, but uh, it's, it's a good reminder. So my wife, Vicki, and I were both fortunate to grow up in a Christian home. We've had the opportunity essentially all of our lives to, to know Christ as Savior and, and what he's done for us. And we both trusted in Christ when we were both about five or six years old. 
And what a blessing it has been to know Christ throughout the, our years. My wife is literally a rocket scientist. <laughs> she has a degree in nuclear engineering and engineering physics. Uh, she minored in economics. And I'll just add, this isn't in my notes, but she did graduate with a 4.0. It's unbelievable. When she was working, she designed nuclear cores for Virginia-class submarines and later tested radiation effects on space equipment. I literally don't have a clue what she did. That's the line she told me to say. Uh, she's now a stay-at-home mom with our six kids and has been teaching upper-level math classes for a homeschool co-op program uh, up until this past year. I was a bedside ICU nurse for eight years and then worked as a nurse practitioner in various administrative and clinical roles. And most recently, I was the practice manager for a large outpatient uh, medical practice, uh, overseeing about 28 physicians and uh, nurse practitioners, and then had about 50 staff that I oversaw. And my wife and I have been blessed with 15 wonderful years of marriage. We've been involved in ministries here at Orchard, such as Awana and youth ministry, missions, and uh, outside of Orchard, uh, parachurch ministry. We had a house in the suburbs of, of Littleton, uh, sorry, of Denver in Littleton. We had a dog, a cat, and two, uh, well, relatively beat up cars. Um, so, so far, I'm, I'm sure I've painted at least a small picture of what our house and our, our lives have looked like to this point. And probably for a lot of us, it's not all that different from what you've experienced in your life, right? So now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause right there with our story, and I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. But let's look at our first point this morning, that we are blessed to be a blessing. Reading again verses 1 through 3, it says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. As many of the psalms are, this psalm specifically is both a song and a prayer. And if you're one of the Israelites of the Old Testament reading this psalm, you're likely aware that this comes from the promise that God made to Abram, later known as Abraham, in Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3, which say this, and feel free to turn there if you'd like. It says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So a couple of observations that we can make from these two passages. First, and I think we see this more in the Genesis passage, God directs Abram to go to have faith, to trust that God will indeed show Abram where to go. In doing so, God will bless him, and in him all the families of the earth will be blessed. But it required faith, great faith, in fact. And Abram does exactly that, with a sense of immediacy, and obeys God at the age of 75 years old. <laughs> so this message is for all of us this morning. There's an important phraseology used from this Genesis 12:3 passage, which is the in you portion that I'm referring to. Now, as a reminder of what I'm talking about, it says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
Now, all of us today have the fortunate privilege of having both the Old and the New Testament scriptures to help us understand more fully what God's plans are. So if you would then please flip in your Bibles over to Galatians chapter 3. And I want to take a, a little deeper look at this phrase, in you. Give you a second to turn there. We'll begin in verse 7. It says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. In the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So, so just hold your thumb there for just a second. So we know that in the Old Testament, the, the people God refers to as his people are the people of Israel. But we know also having the full breadth of the scriptures that God intends to redeem a people from every tribe and tongue and nation, including what we know as the Gentiles, for his glory. So we see this in Genesis 3, right after sin enters the world, when God announces that there will be one who comes, known as Jesus, who will crush the head of the serpent, which we know as Satan. And so one of the purposes of Jesus' life, then, is to make a way for the nations to know God. That is both the Israelites and the Gentiles, or another way to say it, all peoples. Thus, the line in our passage this morning, which says, let all the peoples praise you. So going back to Galatians 3, skip down to verses 13 and 14. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that, and listen to this, in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. <laughs> Did you see that? There's that in you sort of phraseology again, though this time it is the in Christ Jesus phrase that I want you to notice. And my Bible commentary says it this way. To be in some person is to be a member of that people for whom that person is the representative. I'm just going to repeat that again. It says, to be in some person is to be a member of that people for whom that person is the representative. Abraham, then, is the representative of those with faith in God who ultimately are blessed. And Jesus, then, is the fulfillment of that promise that all the nations of the earth will be blessed. As it says, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. In other words, so that you, Christian, might be blessed. <laughs> and I know there's a, a lot of verses here, so just stick with me as we go through this. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Galatians 2.20, Paul says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So to be in Christ means we receive that promised blessing that Abraham received, that we will be blessed. And in you, Christian, 
all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So looking at Psalm 67 again, verse 2, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. This is speaking of Jesus, brothers and sisters. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus is the answer. He is the hope that we have. Jesus is the hope that the people of Myanmar need, and the people of Afghanistan, and the people of Haiti, and all the unreached peoples of the world need. Jesus' life, death, and resurrection makes it possible that in him we are blessed to be a blessing. Are you following me? This is beautiful. (laughs) This blessing is not for us to keep to ourselves. We are to proclaim it on the mountaintops because in Christ we are blessed to be a blessing. To shout it from the hills of the Himalayas because in Christ we are blessed to be a blessing. To speak of it to the monks of the mountains of Tibet because in Christ we are blessed to be a blessing. To tell every tongue and tribe and nation because in Christ we are blessed to be a blessing. Amen? Because in Christ who lives in you, Christian, all the families, that is, all the peoples of the world, shall be blessed. And just to return to our story for a second, in the summer of 2018, God began to stir our hearts to see this great truth that we are blessed to be a blessing. Over the summer of 2018, I had started a new job that was about 45 minutes away out in Aurora. We lived in Littleton. And it gave me a lot of time to listen to to sermons, to podcasts while I was driving. Uh, In about a five to six week time period, though, I had listened to around 20 to 30 different messages that all highlighted God's plan to redeem for himself every tongue and tribe and nation. And I don't believe this was a coincidence. I believe God orchestrated these messages at just the right time. But I really began to recognize that the Lord was stirring our hearts possibly for, for missions. And I, so I communicated this to Vicki, and uh, we began to pray about it and see what the Lord uh, would do. And one Sunday morning, uh, I'll try not to, <laughs> uh, to cry here uh, uh, publicly, but uh, the brother uh, sitting up here in the front row came up to me, Brother uh, Reed Tossig here, uh, He came and tapped me on the shoulder, and he asked me a very poignant question. Nick, would you ever consider vocational missions? What a game changer that was, Reed. It was a startling question, considering all the things that the Lord was stirring in my hearts at that time. And then, as God often does, he he continues to, to poke and to push even further. So later that same day, go down into the fellowship hall, uh, talking, uh, notice a table in the corner when brother had a table set up with uh, pamphlets on perspectives on the world Christian movement. And he's, hey, come over here, come over here. And, you know, <laughs> hands me this pamphlet, and I'm like, what is this? And he tells me, oh, it's, it's a missions class. Okay, I get it. But it quite literally felt like God was hitting me on the side of the head saying, pay attention. Don't miss this. So my wife, Vicki, and I decided to attend this 15-week class of seeing how God has 
has been and is orchestrating his plan to fulfill his promise to Abraham through Christ Jesus, this promise we just read about. And I highly encourage anyone here to, to attend Perspectives. It's a wonderful course, uh, but be careful. It does change your perspective. <laughs> but it was these verses in Genesis 12 that made it start, click, start to click for me in the first few weeks of Perspectives. This idea that we are blessed to be a blessing is the reason that we were bought with a price. This is the reason we are called to suffer for his sake. This is the reason that in him we are blessed so that all the families of the earth will be blessed. This is what started to change our perspective. A number of years ago, I was working with a physician who became a, a, a dear friend of mine. One morning, I remember walking into my desk and on my desk found a sticky note with uh, a question written on it. And I've, I've often contemplated this question over the years. I actually, just going through all of my pictures on my phone the other day, found the picture of the sticky note that, uh, that was there. It says this, What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? And again, I, I don't believe even for a second that anything Vicky and I had done up to this point in our lives was wrong or off course. I truly believe we trusted Christ and looked to him for the direction of our lives and where we were to go. But this was a turning point for us. Clearly, God, through scriptures, through confirmation in our church here with you guys, and other ministries through prayer, through this class called Perspectives, clearly God was changing our course. And it brings new light to the word is the lamp unto your feet and a guide unto your path. So what are we going to do with our one wild and precious life? Well, I pray we follow what God has called us to. We are, in fact, blessed to be a blessing. Brothers and sisters, you are blessed to be a blessing that his way may be known on earth, his saving power among all the nations. Let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. I'm going to continue on now to our next point, which is that God's justice is just. So looking at Psalm 67, verses 4 and 5, Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. And I love the way the Bible is written here. <laughs> we just saw in verses 1 through 3 how we are blessed to be a blessing. How in Abraham, through Christ Jesus, we are blessed to be a blessing so that in this promise, all the families of the earth or all the nations of the earth will be blessed so that God receives all glory and worship from every tongue and tribe and nation. And the psalmist's words from verse 1 which are, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, makes it clear why we need Jesus. It's because what we see in verse 4 is God's justice is just. All the peoples of the earth, past, present, and future, will be judged. And I think this section is better understood when you add the emotion, or at least as I see it, that the psalmist was really trying to convey here. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy 
to, to me, sounds like the psalmist is pleading, Lord, please let them be glad and sing for joy because they know you, because they trust you. I know you will judge the people, so, so let them know you because if they don't know you how I know you, Lord God, they will spend eternity in hell forever. As I've said, each and every person will have to give an account for their life. God is a God of justice and equity. The psalmist uses this word equity, which I think we all understand the word in light of the positive, right? <laughs> so uh, we recently sold our house as we are, are looking to move overseas, and praise the Lord, we had positive equity in our home, right? Uh, if for some reason, though, when we sold our house, we were upside down on, our, on the equity, we would have come out negative and would have owed money back to the bank. We would have been a debtor <laughs> to the bank. So in terms of the heart, either your debt has been forgiven and you already have equity in heaven, or you are a debtor and you have negative equity, meaning you owe a price. And please hear this. This is really important. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. <laughs> Every sin you've committed requires a payment, and that payment is death. In truth, all of us, from a heart standpoint, are upside down apart from the saving work of Jesus' death and resurrection. So all will be judged, and either you will be judged as righteous and holy, or as sinners damned, to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And some might say, well, what happens to the people then who have never heard the name of Jesus, let alone trust in him? And I think this is really important. This is the reason why we must go to the nations. Romans 1.18 through 21 is pretty clear. Listen to these words. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. And here's the key statement. So they are without excuse. All will stand and have to give an account. All will be judged. All are without excuse. So as Vicky and I attended Perspectives, honestly, I, again, I just encourage you, I can't implore you enough to, to look into this class. We learned so much. We learned about different unreached people groups and what that means. We came to understand better that without the gospel, without someone going, they will never hear of Jesus, and that results in an eternity separated from Christ in a place called hell. Romans 10.14 has become an anthem of sorts in our lives, which says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You might have an ambition to stay locally. We find in ourselves an ambition uh, to, similar to Paul's where he says in Romans 15, 20, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And I'll tell you, 
standing in front of the, the big world map and trying to determine where in the world the Lord has is, is called you to, can be a, a relatively daunting thing. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. <laughs> it's a huge world. And many nations came across our path. Let me tell you one thing, though. If you want to get a heart for the nations, start looking into what those nations look like. Visit thejoshuaproject.net and understand how destitute certain people groups are. Just look at what was mentioned earlier today with the, the devastation that's been going on throughout the world in Haiti and Afghanistan and Louisiana and different places of the world. But for us, short of playing pin the tail on the map, we really, truly had no idea where in the world the Lord was sending us. So our prayer became, Lord, where do you want us to go? And honestly, it was a conversation and an invitation to look into Myanmar that ultimately led us to the people we long to work with. And Myanmar has about 56 million people living there in a country just slightly smaller than the state of Texas They are one of the poorest and most underdeveloped countries of the world. And part of the challenge of reaching this country with the gospel is that they are so diverse. As I mentioned earlier, they have over 130 different people groups and over 130 different uh, languages. Right now, it's estimated that the largest unreached people group in Myanmar, the Bamar people that I mentioned earlier, with 31 million people, is about 0.08% reached. Meaning... Of that 56 million people, nearly 55 million, sorry, 31 million people, nearly 30 million people have never even heard the name of Jesus. Let that sink in for just a second. And then take a moment and think about Nepal and Bangladesh, Afghanistan, Indonesia, Japan, Congo, Sudan, Cameroon, small villages in South America. And the list goes on and on. Oh, Father, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for they will be judged. The bad news is there are many dying having never heard the name of Jesus. But praise the Lord, there's good news. We serve a God who is long-suffering. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come, Matthew twenty four fourteen. This gospel will reach the ends of the earth, but we must go. The Great Commission beckons to all of us. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the end of the age, Matthew twenty eight nineteen through 20. Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Look, God's justice is just and applies to all the nations and to the ends of the earth. The psalmist's plea in this prayer to God is a missionary's prayer. All God's people should long for the lost to be saved. God has promised that in you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, and his justice is just. You know, you cannot keep the commandments of God separate. Here's what I mean. You cannot look only at the Great Commission without also looking at the Great Commandment. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself is, in a way, 
the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Your neighbor, brother and sister, is both near here in Littleton and far. They need Jesus. They need the gospel. And I love these words from 1 John 4, 10 through 11. It says, in this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How do we love then? How do we do this? We obey the commandments of Jesus. We love God and we get involved. For some, that means going. For some, that means sending by praying or supporting financially. For some, that means you begin to mobilize others to go. Maybe you've already been. And your story can impact many. A few verses further down in 1 John 4, beginning in verse 13, say this. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testify that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. Now listen to this. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as he is, so also are we in this world. One commentator says it this way. Either eternal life or eternal punishment awaits all humanity, and God's love furnishes a sure hope for those who have trusted in him. There's honestly so many uh, other things that I'd love to share with you about this section of Scripture this morning, but we just simply don't have enough time. So let's move on to our next section. Uh, we are blessed because he blesses us. So looking again at Psalm 67, verses 6 and 7. The earth has yielded its increase. God or God shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Now, I think uh, John Piper summarizes these last two verses well, saying this. Listen to this quote. The psalm, this psalm begins and ends with the connection between the people of God being blessed by God so that the nations will be blessed by us. What we have not noticed is that when the connection is repeated at the end of the psalm, it is harvest time. And the blessing on the people of God is mainly a material blessing, which means this, at least, God gives his people material wealth for the sake of the world's spiritual worship. That is, he blesses his church with riches for the sake of reaching the nations. He gives a bountiful wheat harvest for the sake of a bountiful world harvest. I love that. He gives us more money than we need so that we can meet the world's greatest need, the need to know God through Jesus Christ. God shall bless us. As Vicki and I have pursued missions, we've seen just immeasurable blessings. The earth has indeed yielded its yielded its increase. God has supplied uh, what we need to go to the people of Myanmar uh, by his, his grace alone, and we continue to trust him for his supply <laughs> uh, in all the ways that we need so that we may go. And, and this may not impress you as it impresses me, but in the past year and a half, we've really seen the Lord's blessings. 
in such a mighty way for this. Uh, one of the ways the Lord blessed us is through the journey. And just after I finished a training in Chiang Mai, uh, Thailand, in October of 2019, I, I was heading to Myanmar <laughs> for a little bit of a vision trip. And I was honestly, I was pretty nervous. Uh, there were some travel advisories about going to the country. There were uh, some uprisings in the, in the northern part of the country. This was back when it was a relatively peaceful state. <laughs> uh, there was also a couple of Buddhist holidays that were happening while I was in the country. So there was a lot of uh, more warnings with that as well. So, you know, it just said take caution when traveling to Myanmar. And having never been really out of the country before, I was pretty nervous. So I, I uh, remember sitting in the airport in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and uh, sending Vicky a message on WhatsApp and just said, hey, would you just be praying for uh, this next part of the trip? Uh, pretty nervous. And a couple of other things. I had also, uh, you know, taking a, a, a scan of, of Chiang Mai, Thailand and recognizing just how different that part of the world is from here. If you've never been there, I, I encourage you to go. Lots of wires hanging out and all kinds of things that we just don't really see here. Um, and I said to Vicky, again, just be praying for who our sending group is going to be because I think we're going to need a strong group to get us there. Just a lot of devastation, a lot of things that look so different. Well, I get on the plane and, and, again, just kind of realizing that I wasn't in a, in a familiar place anymore. And at least in Chiang Mai, there were some other white people there that spoke English, <laughs> but not on this plane. Uh, I get to my seat, and truthfully, I, I look around, and probably there's only one other white guy on the plane, and he just happens to be seated in the seat right next to me. I'm still fairly nervous. About 20 minutes into the flight, I, I remember I'm eating my very spicy Asian meal on the airplane, so don't think you're going to be uh, saved from that on an airplane. It's so spicy. Uh, but uh, I dropped something off the side of the tray table on accident, and I lean over to pick up the, this thing off the floor, and as I lean over, this guy sitting next to me leans over as well, and he goes, so why are you going to Myanmar? <laughs> and I thought, I've already been found out. <laughs> oh, man, <laughs> what am I going to do? Uh, and I, I say, uh, well, I'm going with, uh, for community health development, because that's what we were told to say is the safe way to say it. He goes, okay, so you're a missionary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, and he goes, okay, it's, it's okay, so am I. Um, and uh, he begins to tell me of how he's been living in Myanmar since 2009. And he loves the people, loves their hearts, and immediately God answers that prayer. And, and all of those nerves and all of those things were gone. And this guy smiles so big. This is how we ought to be, brothers and sisters. Uh, but the blessing doesn't stop there. Uh, as this, is, this is really fascinating. I think everybody in this room will love this part of the story. I ask him, so who is your sending group? And he goes, well, it's this, this group based out of Littleton, Colorado called World Venture. <laughs> Do you know Littleton, Colorado? Yeah. I know Littleton. I live there. Wow. We are blessed because God blesses us. In February 2020, Vicki and I and our kids were appointed by World 
venture based in Littleton, Colorado, to go and make disciples of the Bomar people. I'm going to be using my healthcare background and a strategy to engage the loss called community health evangelism. Many of you have heard of this, called CHE. And our ultimate goal is to see the gospel transform communities and churches planted within thriving communities that have their hope based in the Lord, not in a failing government system. I truly believe what's happening in Myanmar right now is God priming their hearts for the gospel to penetrate. When we finished our interview with World Venture, I, this is just more fodder. I just think of, of how the Lord has been directing our paths. When we finished our interview with World Venture, one of the men wanted to share an answer to his prayers. He serves as the director of our global prayer initiatives with World Venture. And in the summer of 2018, he began praying with a group of people using a tool that listed five major world religions. In this one sheet of paper, it listed many things about these world religions, but the only one that had a country associated with it, was, uh, with it to pray for was Buddhism, and that country was Myanmar. <laughs> and if you might recall, the summer of 2018 was when we began to recognize the Lord stirring our hearts for missions. Only God can orchestrate these things. We are blessed because God blesses us. And I want to be sure to make this point here. This is not the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. No, we are blessed because God blesses us so that the nations will be glad and sing for joy. Let all the peoples praise him. Amen? I want to close now with a couple brief points of application. First, if you will, I want you to consider that question that I found on that sticky note. What are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Don't waste it. Don't waste it. The abundant joy and blessings you experience under the mighty hand of God are not only beautiful, but absolutely worth it. And I want to encourage you to consider your part to play. It is possible that you may be called to go. So consider a short-term trip somewhere. Get involved. Begin praying about how the Lord might be stirring your heart even now. Or, like Abraham, have great faith, and if the Lord has called you Reach out to the elders here at Orchard and start looking into this. My prayer is that today you might recognize the stirring in your heart to go as your part to be involved. And I'd love to talk to you more about this. I know there are many in, in this congregation who would love to talk to you more about it. Get involved in Orchard's Missions Connection Meeting that meets once a month. I think this is a wonderful way to get involved. You might be called to send, so consider what that means. That may mean that the abundant wealth the Lord has blessed you with is the way he intends for you to be involved in global missions. You may also be a prayer warrior. I've heard many of you pray, and I know this is true. <laughs> this is how the Lord has stirred your heart for missions. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers. Pray for their ministries to be effective. You might also be called to mobilize. What does that mean? It might mean that you do both of the above. <laughs> 
You go, you send, and now you stir up hearts for global missions. In fact, my prayer is that there might even be one or two in this body today who would say, I want to go to Myanmar, or I want to go to Afghanistan, or I want to go to Cambodia, or some other unreached people group. Or, or perhaps you might say, I see it now. <laughs> I see how we are to be involved. I want to send through my prayers and my finances in order that I might mobilize those who would go. So I'm going to ask you, I implore you, pray. Pray for how the Lord is stirring your heart for the nations. As I said earlier, the Great Commission beckons to all of us. And finally, listen to these words as I close from C.T. Studd. And consider that question, what are you going to do with your one wild and precious life? Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord, to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, the still small voice, gently pleads for a better choice, bidding me selfish aims to leave, and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes, and fears, each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or in his will. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep in joy or sorrow thy word to keep. Faithful and true, whatever the strife, pleasing thee in my daily life. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervor burn. And from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. Yes, only one. Now let me say thy will be done. And when at last I hear that call, I know I'll say twas worth it all. Only one life, twill soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would use this one wild and precious life for your glory among the nations. We're so thankful for your immeasurable grace in our lives, and we thank you for the gospel. Lord, we Pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, that, and ask that you would send many into the world to tell others about Jesus. We pray specifically for the country of Myanmar and the season that they are living in. We know you know all that is going on there. And we pray for both the military officials and those who are suffering to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be known among this people. Lord, we pray that your light would shine in the darkness of Myanmar so that your way may be known. There are so many other people groups that desperately need you. Lord, let the peoples praise you. 
O Lord. Let all the peoples praise you. Thank you for a time together this morning, and I pray that you would, as you have already done, continue to bless those here so that they may be a blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.